There would always be three or four left on the table, no matter how many times I freaking did that. Uh, be sure to check out State of the Race. It's a podcast series that is for free on the YouTube, or excuse me, the Studios America podcast feed for audio only. Uh, we had a great episode this morning and have another one planned for tomorrow uh, to give you all the results on New Hampshire. It's a quick 10-minute update in your mornings to give you everything you need to know about the election. Don't miss it. Studios America, wherever you get your podcast. Now, uh, you can get this show for free over at YouTube, youtube.com slash America. Be sure to subscribe, like our videos, click the bell for notifications every time we post. We probably... We'll go live at some point tonight to talk about the results. So go on over to the YouTube page and subscribe now. Tiffany Justice from Moms for Liberty is going to be here uh, to talk about her confrontation with renowned moron Joy Reid. People who pre-order the Tesla Cybertruck might be in for some unpleasant news uh, other than the fact that their truck is ridiculous looking. But we start by doing the 2024 New Hampshire primary. We are here. It's time. The first primary in America. Of course, we had the Iowa caucuses, but now it's primary time. And can I just rant separately from the New Hampshire race for just a second? This has nothing to do with who wins or who you want to win or what the results are going to be. You have to understand where I'm coming from on this. I have to spend the entire year talking about this race every single day, every single day, whether it's here, whether it's on State of the Race, whether it's on Glenn Beck, uh, News and Why It Matters, Megyn Kelly, wherever I am, I have to talk about this every day. Could we have not at least had a little drama here? I mean, just a little bit. All I'm looking for is like, I don't know, will he win? What will happen? I'm not sure. Just a little bit. So I'm not constantly up here boring you every day with election talk. I will do my best to keep it interesting. Um, and of course, we have plenty to talk about when it comes to the general election, Trump's legal challenges. But like, I don't know. I just like to see. You just want a good game. Sometimes you're watching the Super Bowl. You don't really care about the two teams. You just, you just want a good game. You just got a good game. Apparently, well, it doesn't look that way right now. Remember, we are... In general election mode, if this goes the way that people are thinking it might, in January, it's a long time until November. <sighs> Deep breath. Okay, Nikki Haley. Hey, look, you want, you want some drama? Right here, Nikki Haley sweeps six-person midnight vote in New Hampshire. That's right. She's up six to nothing. Uh, here, right now, look at the results, 100% to 0%. What could happen today? We just don't know. Anything can go on. Nikki Haley's somewhere going, stop the count. That's not how this works, unfortunately, for her. Nikki Haley vows to stay in the race against Trump, regardless of the New Hampshire result. I'm not going anywhere, is what she says. And she says what every candidate says. They all say the same thing. And you know what usually happens is they are not in it for the long haul. That's not the way this works. We saw this with Ron DeSantis after Iowa. He had his ticket punched out of Iowa. He was very clear. That's what it was. But then a couple days later, uh, maybe the, the ticket wasn't so punched.
And that's the way this kind of works. People get optimistic. They think they're going to push through. I think at times these candidates actually make themselves believe they're going to go from beginning to end. But look, it gets hard. You run out of money. You don't feel like getting beat up every single day. Eventually, these guys just want to go home and be with their families. Uh, Fox News, Lawrence Jones was at a diner full of people. And uh, now, of course, uh, Lawrence, our our friend, former Blaze TV alum, he was uh, talking to a bunch of voters. And here's the reaction he got. Who is going to support Nikki Haley today? Okay, you got one. And who plans on supporting Donald Trump? Uh, All right, guys. (laughs) I don't know. Drama. I mean, look, the Trump people were louder, but how close was that count, really? I don't know. We could be on the edge of our seat here. Um, Look. We've been following this, of course, every day. We've been giving you tons of episodes of State of the Race, uh, covering this on this show. And what I would say is uh, the last month or so has not gone the way Nikki Haley wants it to go. Of course, the big win in Iowa helped Donald Trump solidify his stranglehold on the race. Nikki Haley not even able to finish in second in that race wasn't great for her. Um, When Chris Christie dropped out was probably the most optimistic you could be. There were some polls and continue to be uh, for one poll in particular from American Research Group that claims this race is very, very close. However, the other polling does not seem to support that. And honestly, I would argue it might be opening up. Uh, in the favor of Donald Trump. Trafalgar has their final poll out. They found a 22.5 point Trump lead in the final survey before the New Hampshire primary. And frankly, like this is leading into this and we're going to be getting results here. Uh, We'll be covering those on YouTube live probably tonight. But let me just give you a picture of the last sort of polling. This goes from newest at the top, oldest at the bottom. When you're looking at this, this is from 538 as their aggregation of these polls. And you see, like, uh, at the, uh, the older polls are pl- Trump plus 11, Trump plus 17, Trump plus 18, Trump plus 2, Trump plus 15. And then you see it kind of uh, gathering here as it gets up to 19 and, and 27. There were some even more um, uh, egregious polls for Haley that uh, wind up kicking in, including the Trafalgar poll. A bunch of polls over 20 points here uh, as we uh, kind of got uh, closer to the race. So kind of was in the mid-teens, and then it's moved up to the 20s recently. That usually shows some momentum for one of the candidates. We'll see. A bunch of polls sort of showed the same thing. We do have some exit polls from today, and they show some interesting things. Let me give you this little nugget. No matter how you voted today, do you usually think of yourself as a Republican, Independent, or Democrat? 47% said Republican, 45% said Independent, and Democrats said were 8% of the vote. Now, you might look at that if you're a Haley supporter and say, wow, that's great, right? Like 53% of the voters are Independents or Democrats. We perform much better among that group, and therefore we've got a chance to win this thing. Well, the problem with that is when you run that through, Uh, Other polls that show crosstabs divided by party and preference, you don't find a lot of good news there. Um, I went through and ran these uh, through a couple of different polls and the way the party IDs break down. And what you're looking at here is a 15 to 17 point race, if those numbers are correct. Uh, You know, again, we're building ifs on top of ifs here. If the exit polls are correct, if the previous polls are correct when it comes to party breakdown for, you know, because not everyone who's an independent or a, a Democrat votes for Haley, not everyone who's a Republican votes for Trump. But when you break that down, what you see is about a 15 to 17 point lead for Trump and Trump's near 50 percent. So 
I don't know if this is going to be a great night for, for Nikki Haley. Maybe she'll surprise. And, and it's important to understand. And I, I think people get so sensitive around these times. I don't know. Maybe I'm just dead inside. I, I think that's a possibility. Everyone seems to be more pissed off and angry about everything than I am. I don't know what that is. I just tend to watch this stuff and, like, watch it develop. I don't have, like, the super big rooting interests. I don't really... You guys got to make up your own minds. I'm, I'm beyond that. I'm dead inside when it comes to partisan politics, especially in primaries. So I watch this stuff out of interest to see what's going to happen. I don't, I don't get offended when candidates are supposed to do well or don't do well. I just, that's just not my thing. So when you look at this stuff, Nikki Haley deserves a chance to play this out, right? Like she's run a long campaign. Uh, she's coming into a, a big race. This is the race she pulls best in the entire country. Give her a chance. You know, I, look, I don't think she's going to be the pick of the Republican Party, but she deserves a chance to go through this process and see where, where she goes after this. And, and, and I just don't really see a super strong argument to be made that, like, she's hurting the Republican Party by staying in the race or at least playing this out for as long as she feels is necessary. The same thing I would say for Ron DeSantis or any of these other candidates. Look, Donald Trump, if he's just winning these things easily, which it seems like he is, he doesn't have to spend much time worrying about the primary campaign. And I don't think it really makes much of a difference. We're nine months away from this thing. Nine months. I mean, Donald Trump doesn't have to spend any money to win these races if the polling holds up the way that it looks like right now anyway. So she may stay in. She may try to get some delegates for a, a, a Hail Mary if, God forbid, something happens with Trump on the legal side. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about that as we go forward. A little bit more about New Hampshire. Trump is raking in the endorsements in the final hours before New Hampshire. This is something that we brought up right before Iowa. And I do believe it holds here. You saw a lot of people in the Republican Party who had kept quiet for a very long time. And right before Iowa, they came out and started endorsing. It's still happening here. Why is that important? They're seeing the writing on the wall. They get, a lot, they get access to not only public polling, but also internal polling. They believed Trump was going to do very well in Iowa, and therefore they came out to get ahead of it because Donald Trump's gonna think less of you if you come up and, and endorse him after he's already won. What's the value in that? Take a stand, be, you know, be proactive. You saw this with Tim Scott. You saw it with Ron DeSantis when he left the race. Um, people saying, you know, saying this, endorsing Trump usually has some points uh, to win, win with Donald Trump. And, and that's gonna, look, Donald Trump runs this party. He's the head of the party. He's the guy, it's his party. It's been his party for years. Uh, you know, people talk about the Republican establishment. There really isn't one. I mean, there are elements of the quote unquote old guard. But in reality, it's Donald Trump's party and he's largely making the decisions. He's largely the one who's you know, getting the primary candidates through to the elections. He's largely the one influencing policy. You see all these people who are Republicans. They're following his lead. Yes, there are some outliers like a Mitch McConnell. There are a few here and there that will push back against him usually softly, honestly, but it's, it's Donald Trump's party. This is the guy who's winning by 20 and 30 points in these things. It's not a big surprise. Now, Trump's surprise fan club, why many Dems want him to win big in New Hampshire. And, you know, it's interesting to see this. I, we've talked about this phenomenon for a long time. The Democrats believe they have a playbook that will defeat Donald Trump. That's what they believe. Are they right on that? I don't know. They're one for two playing that game. I don't know. Is that a, is that a good thing? 
if I was a Democrat and I thought this guy was, you know, literally Hitler, I would be a little worried about this philosophy, but it seems to be where they're going. The president's campaign has internal data indicating that most of the undecided voters Biden is targeting don't think Trump will be the nominee because they haven't tuned into an election that is more than nine months away. That's led Biden's team to believe the dynamics of the campaign will change significantly once these voters realize it really will be a Biden-Trump matchup in November. This is counterintuitive. Normally, you want the Republicans to fight it out and spend money, says Jen Psaki, who now has a show on MSNBC. And she actually, I think, is more critical of Democrats on her show on MSM uh, as she was in the actual Oval Office than she is on MSM, MSC. I mean, that's how down the line the le- they are on the left now. Uh, but she says they want to run against Trump because they feel that is the best contrast to be drawn. And of course, they believe it's their best chance to win. Now, Trump continues to prove them wrong in poll after poll after poll. And you wonder if there's an expiration date to this idea. Look, It's true. The media has not focused on Donald Trump the way that they will when he is actually fully the nominee, which is really, really soon, it looks like. Um, But will that be enough for the Democrats to pull this one out? I mean, they believe it will be, though, once again, we keep saying uh, this is happening. Uh, Trump beats Biden with RFK Jr. on the ballot. Uh, He's up uh, 48 to 41 in a two way battle and he's up 41 to 33 in a uh, three-way battle, Kennedy rakes in 18%. This is a newsflash for you. RFK Jr. will not actually get 18% in the polls. He will, when, when, on voting day, when it comes November, he's not going to actually get 18%. That's just a prediction. Come back to me if I'm wrong. It's a, you never know. But it would be very, very unlikely that RFK Jr. will get 18%. However, you notice the difference between the two-person race and the three-person race. The gap is pretty much the same. And this is something where it doesn't seem like RFK is going to affect one side or another. We've talked about this before. The RFK factor, if anything, seems to slightly be hurting Biden a little bit more than it's hurting Trump, but largely pulling from both sides and doesn't seem to be a deciding factor at this point, unless the election was super, super close. Um, Biden's Democratic challengers are seeking to beat expectations in New Hampshire. Of course, you know, say the names with me, Marianne Williamson and Dean Talenti Gelato Phillips. Yes, the guy from... The Talenti, uh, and I think Belvedere Vodka is another one of his. Uh, Very, very independently wealthy. Jumped into the race basically the last possible second, thinking, hey, and he said this publicly for a while, Biden's too old, he's going to lose. We need someone who isn't old and, you know, um, he doesn't say this clearly, but basically incoherent, um, to run against Trump or Trump's going to win. He jumped into the race. He hasn't made a lot of noise yet. This is his big night to make noise. We know the night's about Nikki Haley from the Republican side, but on the Democratic side, it's about Dean Phillips because Phillips has a chance to get 20 or 30% of the vote here. Who knows? Some of the polls are showing him in the, in the high 20s. I mean, I don't know what that means. It doesn't mean he's going to win the primary, but if he were to get to 50% or to win, maybe it would make a dent. Um, the reason for this, we've gone over it before. I won't waste too much time here explaining it, but, uh, you know, Joe Biden, who loves, loves, freaking loves democracy. And the way he's expressing that is by getting his opponent thrown off the ballot and um, by trying to get his opponent thrown in jail and by taking the two states he lost at the beginning of the last primary contest and taking them off the calendar. That's democracy, 
boys and girls. And so Joe Biden basically, after he lost those states, went back and said, I don't like that I lost these states. Plus, there's too many white people here. So let's take them off the calendar and we'll start in South Carolina where I won. Totally Democratic approach to an election. And so that happened. And then the problem happened was New Hampshire has a law that says they have to have the first primary. So they had to set this up this way. The the Democrats don't have to honor it. So they said, well, we're not going to count any of your delegates and we're not even going to put Joe Biden on the ballot. And then as it got closer, they started realizing, wait a minute, this is going to look really bad if Joe Biden actually loses this primary. So now they've ramped up and spent a bunch of money to try to convince people to write Joe Biden in. He probably will win uh, tonight uh, on the Democratic side. It's not entirely important really what happens either way, but it would be a a real show of weakness if he were to, let's say, lose uh, to somebody that nobody's ever heard of, Dean. Phillips. Dean Phillips is trying to rally Bernie Sanders voters. It's a weird mix, though. I mean, you know, Phillips is closer to the profile that Joe Biden got elected with than he is with Bernie Sanders. And, and I say that I would say closer to Joe Biden, but he's not really that close to Joe Biden per se. I mean, he, he did vote with him most of the time, as most Democrats do. Um, but he you might even say he's He's actually a more moderate than than Joe Biden has actually governed. He's close to the tone of Joe Biden, where he's like, "Oh, I'm middle class," and you know, these guys with you know, vodka and gelato fortunes are often middle class people. Um, but uh, he's one of those guys that tries to come in from the moderate approach. Like, for example, he has not been able to really rally a lot of support from Bernie Sanders voters because he doesn't want all the Jews to be swept into the sea, and you know. I, how are you going to get a Bernie Sanders voter if you don't want all the Jews gone? You know, it's really hard. So uh, it's not going to really happen. I will say this is a silly process. The whole thing is silly. No knock on New Hampshire, no knock on Iowa. They do what they do well. But there was a time, I think, where maybe it made sense because people didn't have a, a you know, a, a view of national news the way they do now. They didn't follow these elections the way they do now, where you needed to start with a couple of small states and people could get into these races and, you know, uh, use that shoe leather and go around to 99 counties in Iowa and win elections. And I get all that. I, I'm not as charmed by it, however, as some other people are. The, the truth is, this is a national election you're trying to win. And to me, it would be a heck of a lot more viable to go through and do this is at least as a regional primary where a bunch of states vote at once, maybe have break it into four regions and that's it, or do a national primary. Like, why can't we handle that? We all have access to news sources, to social media. We see all these debates. We have the buildup. It's not like the old days where we didn't have access to these people. We're, we're, they, we have too much access to them. I don't want to hear from them anymore. Well, how would they meet all the individual voters? They're not going to meet the individual voters in the general election either. Instead of showing that you can win one or two small states, show that you can run a national campaign. And people say, well, that would be too expensive for a lot of people. They can't do that. Well, you know what? It's not like we're exactly attracting the most poor candidates uh, with, with this current process. I don't know if anyone's noticed, the, last, the current president made like millions and millions of dollars from shady overseas deals with his son. And the president before that was a billionaire. The president before that is very, very rich. He ran against another guy who's got hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, I don't think it's really that big of a concern. Show that you can do the thing that you need to do. The thing you need to do is win a national race. Show you can do that in the primary. And then... People like me and, and anyone who's in 48 other states might have a voice in this process. 
not be completely shut out as we are going to be this year. That's just my little soapbox situation. Remember, YouTube tonight, we're going to be doing some live reaction to the results of the New Hampshire primary. We'll give you a bunch of details on that, how this looks and how this shapes up for the future and state of the race tomorrow morning. We'll have all those details as well on the audio feed only for Stu Does America. Follow us and check that out. Tiffany Justice from Moms for Liberty is going to join us next. Make this your most awesome yet with a box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Every month, the box of awesome is filled with carefully, uh, carefully chosen gear from the best small brands around the world. Now, I guess happen to have my box of awesome right here just came in. I have one that's kind of like a travel setup where like, you know, we go for these little trips, go these little weekends away, something that's going to relate to the travel. And this month we do have in the travel box a weekender bag. Oh, very nice. Look at this. Oh, very cool. Look at that. That's a nice looking bag right there. Well, you got that. You got the uh, little uh, fancy uh, straps here. Open this thing up. This is really nice. I, I got another one from the same company in one of my boxes of awesome. And uh, it's pretty, pretty fancy. It's pretty fancy. There we go. Look at that. Nice inside. You got a great little weekend bag to carry wherever you want. You got the little arm strap. I mean, this is cool. They always give you something cool in your box of awesome every single month. And all you have to do to get started is take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you, uh, but across a, a ton of different categories. They also give you uh, access to a stellar uh, discount across a plethora of products. We're talking 30% off or more sometimes. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month. You can cancel any time. Very easy to customize. And you get a free mystery gift, a mystery gift, with your first monthly shipment when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code STU at checkout. Boxofawesome.com. Code is STU, a great gift for anyone on your list, and you'll get a mystery gift with your first monthly shipment. It's boxofawesome.com. The code is STU. Now, as a, the host of a show that is approximately 80% nerdy charts and government graphics, um, we are incredibly appealing to children. Uh, Jay just, hey, show me more of, of those uh, budget charts. You know, they just can't get enough of them. I will say this particular segment, however, might not be so appropriate for children. So if you happen to have your kids nearby, you might want to move them to the other room. I'm going to talk to Tiffany Justice. Now, she's not the problem. But what she was talking about is the problem. She, of course, is one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty. Tiffany, thanks so much for coming on the program. So happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I want to get into your interview with Joey Reid here in a second, but um, I just love what you guys have done. And, and thanks so much for working so hard for moms across the country and kids across the country. Can you remind people how your organization came to be? Absolutely. So I'm a mom of four and Tina Deskovich, the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, is also a mom. And we served on school board from 2016 to 2020. And we got to see behind the education curtain. And then COVID happened and all of America got to see behind the education curtain. And what parents saw their kids were learning was really concerning. And then when they saw what their kids weren't learning, right, that was even more concerning sometimes. And so uh, we sprang into action, just knew that we could help parents to be effective advocates. Yes. And you really have 
have done that in, in a big way. Uh, you um, decided to go on MSNBC with Joy Reid, um, one of my favorite television hosts. She's just so wonderful. And you decided to, uh, you had this conversation with her that I thought was really interesting. I thought you did a great job. And bef before we get your reaction to how this all came about, I want to show a clip from this interview. Again, this is not so kid-friendly here. You're discussing... I mean, that's the whole point of this, right? The fact that it's not kid-friendly, uh, and it's yet it, it is in schools. Let me sh uh, show you a clip of this interview where uh, you describe uh, some of the stuff that is in some of the books that you guys have been dealing with. This is the one for All Boys Aren't Blue, which is one of the books Moms for Liberty has Everyone should go and see the content so, in this book. That's such a good and idea. And so what happens is you can do keyword searches and find certain keywords. Like rape? You can find key, you, yeah, sure. or anal you, rape or you can, dildo. You can find those, all sorts those of types keywords. Of words. The question I'm asking is, what is the expertise that you have and other Moms for Liberty advocates have to decide that a book, an award-winning book like All Boys Aren't Blue isn't oh. appropriate for students to read? What, what is your expertise? What a tragic story of a young man who's anally raped by his adult family member. So you mm -hmm. have incest, rape, pedophilia. Joy, you said you'd let me answer, so sure. I'm going to answer Please for you. Please um, do. In what context is a strap-on dildo acceptable for public school? Just let, I mean, that's my question mm -hmm. to you. I mean, it's a very open-ended question here, and, she, and, and I don't know how she thought she was going to be able to answer it. What's fascinating is she later then tweeted out the segment uh, from her site, and she writes it this way. In what context is a XXXXXXXXXXX acceptable for public school? She won't even tweet these words to her adult followers, yet somehow this is supposed to be appropriate for school children. I mean, Tiffany, I don't think the point could have possibly be made in a more effective way. Good, because we got one sh clear shot at it and it was, you know, it was really weighing heavily on my mind. I knew this is such an important conversation to have with America and with Americans, because the truth is most people have no idea what's in these books. I remember showing my husband once uh, one of the books, Gender Queer, and he said, Tiffany, you need to carry that around with you. So anytime anybody gives you a hard time about these books, you show them that people don't know. And that's just the truth. And so I was really thankful. Joy had me on the show and we were able to have a conversation and I wanted to make sure that we really struck right at the heart of the matter. Yeah, I was actually surprised she went to a specific book. It seems like the defense of this stuff a lot of times is sort of this ethereal defense. It's like, oh, well, books, how can you ban books? Now, of course, I know you're not banning books. We can talk about that in a second. But the, were you surprised that she went to one of these books that you knew had all of this really offensive content in it? No, not really, to be honest with you, because, you know, Megan Kelly tweeted out that Joy was an idiot. And then my friend Jane <laughs> Lindsay, who some people may know, said not an idiot. She is a Harvard trained Marxist propagandist. And that is the truth. And so, you know, sometimes they overplay their cards. I think that here she's very bold. They feel very emboldened about having this this type of, of subject matter in the schools. And they really haven't gotten any pushback. I would imagine that's probably changed after some of the coverage. But sometimes Sometimes you just have to press reset, right? We kind of had to press reset on the issue. So um, I'm never surprised by what the left is willing to do, to be honest with you at this point. I just take, try to take advantage of every turn. Well, uh, both James Lindsay and Megyn Kelly are friends of ours, and I would say they're both right. I think she can be Harvard trained and a Marxist and an idiot. So I will combine those uh, two together. Um, uh, she also accused you in the interview 
of banning books. This is a very common idea that and, and I can see why people are sensitive to it, right? Like we know the history of book burning. It's, it's not positive banning books. It seems like you just don't want people to have information. Um, are you banning books? Is this part of your agenda? No. And as I said, with joy, write the book, print the book, publish the book, sell the book, put the book in the public library. No one's trying to ban any books. All we're saying is that there is some content that's more appropriate for adults than for children. And, you know, I, as I said, I, 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 you know, I don't forever want to be known as the sex toy lady, so I won't keep repeating the words. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, over 90% of Americans agree with us on this issue. This is common sense stuff, right? And so I just think we need more common sense in America, and that's what I try to bring to that conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I take your point. You don't want to be the sex toy lady. I get that. That's, that's an understandable concern. But it is actually important to bring up the specifics, I think. I think it hits people in a different way. I, I think if you kind of have this, like, uh, general conversation about, well, there's controversial material, or there's even pornography in these books, you know, people kind of come up and create their own vision as to what that could be. When you show the pictures, I mean, unfortunately, I've seen many of, uh, of them, uh, and I wish I hadn't, um, but when you show the pictures, when you talk about the specifics, they're so obviously wrong, not just to me, not just to you, but liberals, like people who are on the left, people who will go and proudly vote for Joe Biden in November, see this stuff and say, wait a minute, this is nuts. And I think it brings it home in such an effective way. You almost have to keep doing it. I agree. And, and that's the reason why the moms and dads have gotten up at school boards across the country and started reading the material out loud, right? Because when you talk in these fuzzy uh, ideas of, well, don't you want every child to feel included and safe, right? Don't you want every child to feel seen in a book? And my point to Joy last night was when she brought up all the boys aren't blue, that the gentleman in that book suffered from sexual trauma at the hands of an adult. And my point to her was, listen, if that is happening, if we have adults that are preying on children in that manner, we need to do a lot better than just throw a book on a library shelf and hope that a child stumbles upon it. We need to be giving them real support and interventions. And so, you know, it's a it's a faulty argument. Everybody knows it. We were able to expose it. And we'll continue talking about the fact that, you know, there this this content in schools is not age appropriate. The other side of this is that we're not talking about the literacy crisis we have in this country. And, you know, I was in New York for a town hall where we talked about the fact that only a quarter of fourth graders in New York City are reading on grade level in fourth grade. Only 11 percent of black students are reading on, on grade level. That is atrocious. Right. And so that's really what I hope to get joy to was this. OK, you know, we're having this luxury conversation about books and libraries. The fact of the matter is a lot of these kids can't even read the books. Yeah, we can't get to the basics in schools. And then the, this is the stuff that we're that we're fighting over. It's bizarre. And, and like maybe you can make a maybe there's some book out there that has, a, you know, an explicit conversation about, you know, God forbid, you know, sexual abuse or, or, or these terrible things that might be appropriate in deep therapy with with some um, therapist in some way. If someone's gone through that trauma, but to make it widely available is crazy. And it's also like there's no need 
for a young child to be learning about their sexuality. There's no need for them to be exploring these themes in this way, particularly at school. It's so far away from the mission you were just talking about, which is education, right? Like it's basic education. People, uh, we have a, a generation of kids, especially those who went through COVID and have fallen so far behind that need this more than ever. And it seems to be the lowest priority of everyone on the left. A hundred percent. And, you know, you have to think about why that is. Unfortunately, in our public schools in America, um, our children are being uh, turned into little social justice warriors is the best way that I can say it. They're not being given practicable skills like reading, writing and math. What's happening is that these activists are awakening a critical consciousness in the child. Now, is every teacher doing this? Absolutely not. We love teachers. We have so many teachers that are members of Moms for Liberty. But the truth of the matter is, it, it matter is the teachers unions are pushing this stuff. The leadership is pushing this stuff into the schools. And so we need to be really honest about that. And then we need to look to partner with teachers who don't want any of this garbage in the schools that want to get back to the basics. And we need to help them to do the work that they need to do to reach students. Because you're absolutely right. COVID, our kids were not doing well before COVID and they're doing even worse now. Um, what is the, what can we do? I mean, I know, of course, making people aware of this, as you guys have done, is really, really important. Uh, making the public schools safer for kids is really, really important. There's also things like, you know, school choice and homeschooling that I think are a big part of the solution. What, which direction should we go? What, what's the most effective thing for parents to do uh, to help uh, this problem, which seems so large at this point, it's, it's hard to unwind? My best advice to parents is trust yourself. You're the best expert for your own child. So whatever you feel is the best next choice for your child, if that's homeschooling and you can do it, if it's making a school change, if it's just getting more involved in their public school and advocating for them, you are the best advocate for your child. What I say broadly to parents and other people in the community, run for school board, please. We only endorse at school board races in Moms for Liberty. We've helped 365 school board members get elected in the past two years. 83% uh, of our candidates we endorse in 2023 had never run for office before. So even if you've never run for office, please get out there, run for school board. You know, we need good stewards of public tax money and people who are going to put children first in their education to serve in these very, very important local offices. Mm. I'm, and I'm so glad you brought this up because this line was the big comeback from Joy Reid. When you brought up all this stuff, her big comeback to you is, what makes you an expert? And of course, this is standard fare for progressives. They bring this up all the time. If you're not an expert, you don't have an opinion. Now, of course, if an expert has an opinion that's different than them, those experts don't count. But okay. what I thought was really interesting, Tiffany, was that she's saying this to you as a mom. And moms are completely the ultimate expert of their yeah. own children. And you were kind of put in this position where you're supposed to you're, you're supposed to have some magical expertise. You do have that expertise. You're a mom. That's what moms have. And I just I was fascinated that that was the, the direction she decided to take that. Yeah, but it shouldn't be surprising to us because we saw during COVID, there was this expert class that everyone was supposed to rely on. I was serving on school board during COVID and the superintendent wanted to have a medical committee we would just defer to. Everyone wanted to abdicate their authority to somebody who knew better than us to make decisions. But the bottom line is when you are an elected official, elected official, you know, the, the buck stops with you. You have to make the best decisions for your community. It's an important responsibility. And again, there is no expert that is better for you than your own, than, than for your child, than 
you. You are the best advocate that they could ever possibly have. And so at Moms for Liberty, we work to unify, educate, and empower parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. And if people go to momsforliberty.org, they can check us out, start a chapter, join a local chapter, get involved, donate. There are so many different ways to get involved. And the message really is this. You know, we can solve a lot of policy issues like the border. We're dealing with different issues with the economy. However, if we do not stop the indoctrination in our schools so that the next generation is not being turned against us, none of this is going to matter because we will lose our country from within. And so we have to reclaim and reform public education. It's one of the most important things we could do right now in this moment to help save America. Mm. Tiffany Justice, co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Uh, She speaks the truth. If you have the opportunity to either donate or join part of this organization or help them and support them in any way. They're doing great work across the country, really important work. Tiffany, thanks so much for what you've been doing and coming on the program as well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This past uh, December, drug shortages hit a record high, and this is causing all sorts of disruptions in medical treatment. There's delays, there's treatment uh, cancellations, there's uh, rationing of medication, and even drugs as important as antibiotics like amoxicillin are in short supply right now. There's 294 others as well. What a weird time. This is America. This is not supposed to happen. Well, doctors are saying they're even have to make, having to make you know, impossible choices, choosing which patients get which drugs. This is not supposed to happen here. Uh, but you can prepare yourself and your family with the Jace case. It's a personalized emergency kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. Get your own, then uh, buy a gift card for your family or your loved ones so that they can get their own Jace case. They can customize it to their own needs. Go to jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E medical.com. Enter the code Stu at checkout and get a discount on your order. Again, the promo code is Stu at J-A-S-E medical.com. Jace Case from Jace Medical. Get one today. I'm told that Israel is attempting a genocide in uh, Gaza, which is, I don't know why they would propose this exactly. It's not very uh, genocide friendly, Uh, but they are proposing a two-month fighting pause in Gaza for release of all hostages. There's 130 hostages, some of them American. Have we, is there any any politicians in America talking about this? I know if you watch the radio show, you'll see in the bottom right-hand corner how many days uh, American hostages have been held in Gaza. Doesn't seem to be concerning at all to our leadership. Uh, It's really fascinating. But they want to say, look, two-month pause. We'll, We'll pause it for two months. You release everybody. You've been saying how much you want a ceasefire. Let's do this. So far, no response uh, from Hamas, at least other than in rocket form. Um, but uh, it will be interesting to see if this plays out. Hopefully, you know, it does. I, you know, there's two, two parts of my hopefully here. Number one, hopefully the hostages can be returned. If it's two months of fighting pause, I, you know, I think the Israelis are more than confident they can handle that. And number two, I just hope that doesn't lead to a stopping in their mission to take out Hamas. They have to do that. Might make it more difficult, but to be able to get these hostages back would be uh, perhaps uh, worth it. And finally, the Bidens and Harris and Emhoff to meet with health care providers at abortion rally. If I were to ask you who Emhoff is, even in that context, would you know? Does anyone know who this person is? Well, it's Doug Emhoff, and he is your second gentleman. Yeah, he's married to Kamala. What a joy that must be. By the way, what's interesting about this uh, abortion rally thing, I mean, seriously, if I ask the American people, who is Emhoff? Who is Doug Emhoff? 
what would the percentage of people be who knew who that was? Three percent? I, I have you ever is there ever been a less impactful public figure in these circles? I, I don't think so. Anyway, um, the abortion rally going on. And uh, what's fascinating about this is that it keeps getting interrupted. And you might say, well, the pro-life people are pissed off. They're bad people. They're, they're hate mongers and they're interrupting. No, no, no. It's not pro-life people interrupting the pro-abortion rally. It's pro-Gaza people because the pro-abortion people have finally found a group of individuals that are more annoying than them. I don't know, three minutes in the morning. Uh, if you have three minutes, if you have 30 minutes, you can keep your face wrinkle-free with Gen 90. It's the new instant wrinkle treatment from GenuCell. Gen 90 instantly reduces the appearance of wrinkles anywhere you use it, around the eyes, or maybe the forehead, the crow's feet, the laugh lines, and it starts working in seconds. Uh, at least one thing you don't have to worry about anymore is your skin, and therefore maybe your confidence helped a little bit as well. Gen 90 technology is luxurious, nourishing, and silk smooth, and it's the best of all skincare. It works in seconds, and there's a reason why GenuCell has 400% the customer loyalty of other skincare brands. Gen 90 is on sale now at GenuCell.com. It is, of course, included in their bestseller package as well. Great gift as well. Before you go overseas and get you know some sort of weird procedure, I don't know, some lunatic doing something to your face, uh, don't do that. Get Gen 90 because uh, the results are game changers and there's no risk. You can get your money back if it doesn't work for you. And for the first time ever, we can order Gen 90 with every most popular package for over 70% off. It's GenuCell.com slash stew. GenuCell.com slash stew. Free shipping on all orders right now. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash stew. Now, I, I generally like Elon Musk. I think he's some, good, done some really important things for free speech, uh, space exploration, amazing technological advancements. He's not a perfect guy. We've talked about it before. Don't love his global warming stance by any means. But I will say, um, on the negative side, the Cybertruck is perhaps the ugliest vehicle I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I saw one in the wild, by the way, in my town recently. And, uh, you know, it, it's... I, I can't even describe how awful it looks I, it's incomprehensible to me that anyone would buy one of these things now of course they'll probably be the most power, popular car in the universe but uh they're having some technical issues with it as well cybertruck drivers are revealing terrible range numbers over their first 10,000 miles now the company itself says this uh, that you should get 320 miles of range with the Cybertruck. Now, a YouTube account that had one of these things said actually the range isn't 320 miles. It seems like more of 254 miles. And this is someone who was driving in sort of colder weather. That's a big difference, 320 to 254. Now, Another group of owners now have put on 10,000 miles on their Cybertruck and are actually only getting 206 miles at a full charge and only 164 miles starting at 80%. That's just part of the issues here. Other than dealing with less than stellar range, two Cybertruck owners also reported their main screen blacked out when the battery percentage was low. So even with the full range, they can't drive it anymore. They had to have that vehicle towed. They also found that the vault, a sealed component built into the truck bed, was not waterproof and gets wet inside. Oops, um, look. Honestly, if you buy one of these things, you deserve what you get. That's, that's my honest stance. If you get one of these and you're not, I, like, it's just, 
If it runs, I mean, I, I guess that's a bonus. If you like the way that thing looks, good for you. I mean, I've, I've, I don't understand it. I will never understand it. But uh, there you go. The Cybertruck available now from Tesla. Okay, so here's what happened. A guy ran a marathon in China, 26.2 miles. He's 52 years old, which is pretty impressive to be able to do that at any age. Um, he did it in three hours and 33 minutes. I think that's a pretty freaking good time, especially for someone who's 52 years old. I mean, I couldn't do it in a month. So let's be honest about it. Um, however, he was um, disqualified, and he was disqualified for violating Article 2.12, which states uncivilized behavior from runners such as open defecation, smoking or trampling on flower beds or green spaces that affect the race and the safety of others will result in disqualification. Can you guess which part of that rule he violated? If you said open defecation, then you are wrong, actually. It was the smoking. Uh, he uh, he uh, was chain smoking through the entire race. And he ran a marathon in three hours and 33 minutes. I mean, think about that. That's hard to do. Uh, I don't know why that was get him disqualified. I feel like he should get a discount off his time. Like he should actually count as three hours and 23 minutes. That's impressive. Uh, so congratulations to him, even though he got disqualified. Uh, by the way, state of the race, new episode tomorrow morning. We'll have some live YouTube coverage probably tonight on the New Hampshire results. We'll see you then.